Welcome to this episode of CWC. Hi, guys. Hi. <laughs> Back at you. I'm Brenna, and I'm drinking coffee and water and a Rainier. But the joke's on you because I'm not really drinking my water. I'm Reagan, and I'm just <laughs> rolling with the coffee. Just coffee. I'm Amy, and I I also have coffee because I didn't have any yesterday, and the caffeine headache I woke up with today oh. was not pleasant. I'm sorry. Caffeine is addictive, guys. Yeah. Um, and we are three women who write short stories every two weeks. 500 words or more. And you can write along with us or make art about it or just listen. Either way. We love it. Give, give us ratings. Listen. <laughs> subscribe. Tell your friends. Don't tell your mom. Look, this podcast has already been mom approved. It's explicit. Uh, our moms approve but like they made us that's true there's they slightly have their hand in this they are to blame yeah at least a little and uh we're here to tell you short stories that we wrote over the past two weeks based on prompts that were given in the last cycle because we trade off who does the the prompts Mm -hmm. and um yeah we're gonna do that soon but Keep in mind, over the summer, we're going to be doing a lot of fun interviews with people. So that's coming up where you don't have to listen to just us. We're going to be interviewing real authors and people who teach classes about writing and stuff. people. <laughs> stuff. Someone other than the three of us. So you're welcome. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. back to us, because that's why you're here. Come on. It's all about us. It's true. Uh, I believe this week's prompts are yours, Amy. They are. They are, in fact, mine. And what are they? Hold on. And I'll tell you. To where? Where shall I hold? Chance. <laughs> Heard. Gotcha. Mother approved. <laughs> Mother approved. <laughs> All right. Prompt one. A person goes to fix an event by time traveling, only to discover the event happened because they had already interfered. <laughs> you interfered? You did that? I interfered. Yeah. <laughs> Prompt two. A wish granted goes horribly wrong. It never happens. Never. Prompt three. The only way to relieve an intense pain is to do something really awkward and or illegal. So. Yes, brother? <laughs> no, just gasping. <laughs> just being dramatic for no reason. It's really why so, I was put on radio. So since they were my prompts, I, I do believe. Oh. It is me. It I is. Read first. Oh. It is you, Reagan. You choose me. I, I choose you. You'll be the pick. Reagan. <laughs> I would be the most lethargic, <laughs> cranky Pokemon ever. You'd be like, I choose you. Where the hell is it? I'd just be in a shadow somewhere like, nah. It's too bright out there. <laughs> no. <laughs> I thought that you were like choosing from the video game where everybody fights each other. The Mortal oh. Kombat. Well, and then choose you... them too. Oh, That's true. Yeah. In which case... I would be similarly lazy and not. <laughs> yeah. be, I'd be like, I don't want to fight you because I'm too tired right now. <laughs> but yeah. All right. So I chose to do something illegal or awkward to relieve pain. And then I wrote a story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to joke, but yeah. you did it. I got there first. Zing. Anyway. <laughs> she paused, standing just at the rounded side of the curb. The light had changed, and the blinking red hand tried to tell her she'd missed her chance to walk, but her attention was elsewhere. 
Across the narrow street was the tall office building, whose broad base was covered in a patchwork of glass, all in varied shades and textures. She watched herself in the fractured planes, her shadowy outline jumping and curling over the sharp edges in bubbles and cracks. She could not see her face through the frosted square that was just at head level. She looked down at herself and back to the quilted windows, and she wondered which one was a better likeness. She saw the little walking man light up above her, and she crossed the street, trying to ignore how her glassy other shifted and rippled across the many reflections. It turned her stomach. The shadow grew so close, coming towards her even as she came towards it, but then it turned away, the both of them agreeing to change their paths simultaneously. She quickened her steps and turned the corner, leaving her reflection to grow small behind her. She clicked her tongue, a nervous habit she had developed after her stay in the hospital. It had been so loud, and she had not wanted to add to the cacophony with screams of her own. Irritated at the habit, she bit her lips, forcing her jaw into an unflattering, jutting shape. The hospital had been a terrible time for her. She had gone, willingly and under strict advisement, thinking she would find some solace there, some cure, some freedom from the endless gnawing at the back of her mind. It had done her no good, and possibly some harm. Partly, she felt it was fair compensation for the harm she herself had caused others, for the disappointment and confusion she saw in her mother's eyes every time she came home. But there had been so much screaming, from orderlies and patients both, and she didn't think a single person had left there feeling better, not on either side of the divide. Besides, she wasn't crazy, and for all their degrees and the medications and the straps and the falsely placated voices, she was fairly certain they had no idea what they were dealing with. But she was done trying to give proof. She was finished explaining, and certainly she had grown wary of show-and-tell. Now, she endeavored only to live quietly in isolation. If she hurt anyone, it would only be herself. And truly, she had found some peace in recent months. It only became difficult when she had to venture into the city for her mandated check-ins. She thought of the fractured glass reflection and clicked her tongue absently, fighting the urge to walk faster. She felt the familiar itching under her skin. Itching was never the right word, but she could think of nothing else to match it. It wasn't that she wanted to scratch her arms or neck or back, but she knew it would eventually come to that anyway. But really, it was more that she wanted to hold it all in place, her muscles and bones, her skin. Her fingers twitched, and she resisted the urge to grab at her own arms. There it was, a presence deep under her skin, wrapped tight around her bones. The presence was not her own. She could feel it shift and move as if it belonged to someone else, like she was wearing someone else's shadow under her flesh. Like a yawning cat, waking, stretching from sleep, it rose. She felt its shifting weight drag at her limbs, nearly upsetting her balance as she picked up her pace. The longer she ignored it, the more insistent it would become until, like hands with claws, it would tear at her muscles, pulling them so tight and coiled that she could no longer move them. The pain would hum and buzz through her until it was all she could hear and see and think. She tried to force it back down, but the harder she pushed, the stronger it became, until at last it was the only sensation that existed. She always gave in. It was the only way. It was that or insanity. Then again, she considered she was already there. She ducked into a small side street, hoping to escape the eyes of others, but her focus was splintered, only partially taking in her surroundings as she fought for control, fought down the growing discomfort. She could not remember when it began, only that this was the way of things. She went through each day, tense, walking a tightrope, arms windmilling on either side of her, for balance. She never knew when it would happen. Sometimes she expected it, though. Sometimes, life proceeded in such a way that she could see it sitting before her like an old friend, waiting, leaned up against a wall several feet ahead, 
waving as if it had just caught sight of her, grinning and welcoming. It was never good for her. If this was a friend, it was a very uneven friendship. Though sometimes she thought it was well-deserved, sometimes she thought it had a good point, like when she lost her job, or when she was attacked by that drunken man near the buses. Mostly, though, it just further alienated her. She leaned her head against the side of the building and dragged in ragged breaths, trying to count slowly and clearly in her mind, trying to maintain even that small control. The buzzing was so loud, and her vision was beginning to spark, jagged and bright. The headache began then, like a blade pierced straight through her forehead, just between her brows. Alternating numbness and pain rippled through her nerves, making her limbs feel alien to her. She held her arms close about herself and shut her eyes, beginning to count out loud now. Seventeen, eighteen, nine, nineteen, that buzzing, twenty-one, twenty, no, wait, but God, how that buzzing and flashing distracted her. Her bones felt like lead weights that had been sitting in a fire. They burned heavy under her skin. She was surprised her clothes and hair didn't catch light. It was too intense. She ground her teeth and felt her knuckles popping with her effort to hold herself upright. Had her hands not been clenched about her arms, she would no longer have been able to locate them in the fog of pain and misfiring nerves. She thought she heard herself groaning in pain, but with the deafening humming in her head, it was more likely that she felt it, deep in her chest and throat. When at last she could take it no more, it was like a switch turned off. Or perhaps it was on. It was hard to say which was her true state. She saw only blinding white, with a sea of pinprick colors like a rainbow star field. They danced wildly in her vision, electrified, shaken up, and then let loose into the world. She was vaguely aware that she was moving, but she felt light as air. Sounds echoed back to her in her reverie, but they meant nothing. She let the shadow other pull her along as a child pulls a balloon. She was light and color tracing through the brilliant sky. She felt as though she could drift up forever, but she was safe, because the other would keep her tied to the earth. It weighed her bones down so that she could feel free to fly for a time. But then the pain filtered through, sharp and clear and shocking. She heard murmurs of confusion and someone calling to her softly, as if afraid to startle her. Her vision returned, seeping into the white starfield like mold, blotches of gray concrete in the cold buildings of a city. She smelled the bitter warmth of coffee, a gritty, mulchy smell, and also oil slickened asphalt, the color of bubbles in the sun and the texture of tar. There was a sickly sweet note of old garbage, and then something else, thin and fresh. She blinked, feeling her senses returning to her, feeling the shadows slink back under her skin, sticking to her bones like wet clothes. She was standing before a coffee shop, its window shattered and laying in faceted pieces all around her. A small crowd had gathered around her, and an older man in a faded denim coat was stepping slowly closer to her, hands lifted before him to calm her. She felt stupidly like a horse or cow or some great, big, dangerous farm animal whose owners cooed at it, coaxing it into its pen. She looked down at her hands and saw the red of them, coated in blood and swelling horribly where she had done some bad damage to bone and muscle. She wondered if it hurt the shadow the way it hurt her. She supposed it didn't, and it wouldn't have cared either way. Looking down at her feet to the field of glass fragments, she saw the pale and confused expression she wore. Her tired face was hidden beneath the rain of blood drops. It would hurt later, she knew, those broken bones and bruised flesh, but for the moment, she felt only freedom and some measure of peace. Yay. Yeah. I like how light and encouraging your story is. <laughs> yeah, it's real, it's real uplifting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can see it in yeah. one of those compilations where it's like, you know, 
chicken soup chicken for the soul. Soup for the, yeah, yeah, exactly. Chicken soup for the soul that takes over and destroys government <laughs> property or yeah. Starbucks property. That yeah, sounds right. Yeah. yeah, that's a very specific chicken soup niche. I also like that you equated like Starbucks with that. So. Well, I just mean she damaged a coffee shop window. So. Mm-hmm. Could have been a coffee shop. It could have I, I had read it with the idea that she did it in order to kind of chase the shadow away. Was it? Did the shadow maker do it? The shadow maker. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, I also read it the other way. Interesting. <clears throat> I thought she was fighting the shadow. Oh. Huh. Basically okay. causing herself pain so that the, the shadow would leave. Uh-huh. I, I don't think it's really a clear-cut thing, but I feel like I should probably rewrite that then, because that's not what I intended. So, wait, you're saying two out of the three of us need to rewrite this chapter? Because guess what? I need to rewrite my chapter. Yeah, my, my idea was more that certain things would set it off, where, like, seeing the reflection, it, she couldn't stop thinking about it, couldn't stop thinking about it, and then... That made the shadow kind of come out. Kind of like a possession thing. The shadow. <clears throat> the shadow okay. went back and dealt with the mirror. <laughs> but okay. it's, it's like both, both at the same time, all of it together. Well, you know how much Amy loves ambiguous writing, so that's perfect. <laughs> Yay. It is. Yeah. It is kind of my my niche forte, something like that. Style. 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 Yeah. Yeah. That was really good. Um. It's dark. It makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable. <laughs> I was not where I saw that prompt going. <laughs> I uh, struggled with these prompts for this cycle. I well, I can't remember the other two now. Uh, traveling through time. Mm-hmm. Oh, and a wish that's gone wrong. Yeah, is the one I kind of wanted to do, but I just did that from the last episode. If you guys haven't listened to it, go back to the previous episode, chapter twelve. Yeah. I feel like I'd already done that one. I was like, well, I don't want to repeat that. So I challenged myself and uh-huh. I, don't, I don't love it. It's not my favorite. Uh, if I'm being honest, it's not my favorite of yeah. yours either. It's kind of just a but throwaway. It was good writing. It is good writing. It's like all of your writing, very visually. Yeah. That's my thing. <laughs> it is your thing. Your your descriptions are kind of out of this world a lot of the time. Literally. Sometimes yeah. quite little. Anyway. Um, but yeah, this this one does have a feel of it. Like, you maybe cared less about this story than you have your others. Yeah, it was more the sensations I imagined happening than mm-hmm. an actual plot happening. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. But I did, I did enjoy it. I, I got something a little different than maybe you intended. <laughs> That's did I. But that's okay. Yeah. It works either way. And that's kind of also just a thing with writing. Like, if if somebody reads your work and interprets it slightly differently, or they can read it in between the lines, then that's their story. They, like, that's the one that they're yeah. reading. So. Once you put art out there into the world, you, can't, you don't control it. Exactly. It takes on a life of its own. Yeah. I feel like that happens with my writing a lot. Mostly because I'm sloppy, but, <laughs> um, you know. It is an ambiguous story, though. But, Yeah. yeah. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for listening. Your turn, Brenna? I know, but the dogs. I know, but the dogs. (laughs) I can just hear dogs, you guys. (laughs) Surprise, there's no actual dogs. There are dogs. I know where they fucking live, too. I know where you live. Alright, what prompts did you choose? Why? Why do you ask me? Every time you guys ask me, you didn't say what prompt you did. Yes, yes I did. did. We all do it every time. Yeah. So Format. that the reader knows, Format. listener knows who they're li- what they're listening to. Every time. 
15 episodes in. <laughs> Why? I did the prompt about you have to do something illegal to uh, relieve a pain. Just like you. I stayed quiet about it. <laughs> it's not a good thing. I know. I'm sorry. The look of frustration on your face <laughs> just makes me so happy. Why? I will stab you with the straw. That's so unlike you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Why is Reagan always so fighting? It always ends in violence. Because <laughs> that's you. Because that's Reagan. <laughs> You're violent. I'm sad. Uh, She's sloppy. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're some really terrible uh, dwarfs, guys. <laughs> I don't want to be sloppy dwarf. <laughs> I'll be stabby dwarf. I'm okay with that. I'll be sad dwarf. Don't be sad. I'm not sad. I just make everyone else sad. Does that mean I make everyone else sloppy? No. <laughs> I think everyone else stabby as in they've seen some stabbings. No, but honestly, you are the only friend who's encouraged me to go out and fight before. Encourage everyone to a good I, fight. I mean, I know that. I, I love that about you. That's why we go out and drink together sometimes when we feel a little bit fighty. Long-toothed. But... Anyway, straw side. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> sorry. That was a detour. Um, Hi, so my name is Brenna and I... Wrote a story and I didn't title it this time, but it's about that prompt that we just talked about. Doing something illegal or painful or awkward. Or awkward. To relieve a pain. That was the one. <laughs> kind of like this experience. Guess what? Right now. <laughs> it's not about doing something awkward, it's about doing something illegal. <laughs> it's the only part of their prompt I remembered. <laughs> okay. There was a certain amount of shame associated with it. Like, if her family knew, if her friends found out, then there would be trouble for her. She folded back her hands and straightened her dress as she crossed the threshold. The door was a dark green color, and the room inside was terribly lit. She could barely make out the small wooden table and the chair just inside. She entered the room, closed the door behind her, and set down the bundle of payment she had brought on the table. There didn't seem to be anyone else in the room. She waited. Her stomach ached, a fresh tinge of pain making her lightheaded. She groaned a little as a spasm renewed itself. She had been aching like this since she did it. She winced and tried to search the darkness for the person who was supposed to be here waiting for her. She had been given directions to find them in a back alleyway, but she was sure her friend and connection wouldn't have lied. You can sit. A voice called from the darkness of an unlit adjoining room. I'll be out in a moment. She sat, a little crooked in the seat to accommodate her wings, and she rearranged her skirt to put her best foot forward. This was potentially her last hope to relieve the pain. Another spasm caught her. She groaned in her mind for the poor choices she had just made. A little woman came out of the next room with a small lamp, which filled the small room with enough light to be comfortable. She placed it on the table and then stood looking at the young woman seated before her. That bad, huh? She picked up the payment, which was bundled on the table, smelled the cash, and placed the money in her apron pocket. We have to drink tea first. Then I'll decide if I'll do it. What? The girl stammered. I, I just paid you. Y you took the money. You have to do it. She stood, angry, and a fresh wave of pain nearly made her pass out. She swooned a moment, and the little woman took her by the wrist and pulled her to the chair. Sit. 
She turned and started the kettle on the range. The room was so small that there was barely four feet of distance, but the young woman didn't have it in her to disobey or to get her money back out of the woman's pocket. This is the way it works, okay? I drink tea with you and I get a feel for how much pain you have, how much grief, how much shame, and then why. If it's not too bad, like you aren't a murderer, then I will do it. If it is too bad, like you kill babies and animals, then I can give you a reference to someone who doesn't mind it like I do, okay? The kettle sang, and the woman poured two small glasses of tea into mismatched cups. She placed one on a saucer and put it in front of the young woman. She sat across the table and looked hard at her. What she saw was a young woman with worry lines around her eyes and mouth, heavy-handed makeup applied in the current fashion, ringlet blue curls that framed her pretty but tired face, and hands that had all the cuticles bitten off. She looked ashamed. She looked in pain. Okay, I'll do it. The young woman was visibly relieved and slumped a little in the chair, then grabbed her stomach, wincing in pain. You have to cook for me, the older woman said. She was making direct eye contact and not blinking. It scared the young woman a little. I'm a, I'm a terrible cook, but I can. No, you, you don't get it. It only works if you cook for me. The best thing you can make. You cook for me with intention, and it works. You cook for me to be fast and easy, and you'll still have the pain. Okay? Oh, okay. So you run off to the market and bring me back a meal fit for a queen. You'll feel better in no time. The young woman nodded her head and rose a little warily, thinking that if she left now to get the ingredients in the market, there was a chance the older woman would not be here when she returned. She realized, too, that she had no way of guaranteeing any of this would work, but it was her only option, and she went to the door and to the market. She did not know many recipes, but one her boyfriend had really liked when she had made it, so she gathered the ingredients for that. It was simple, but tasty. She had to make the noodles herself, Boil them at the very end. The meat and the vegetables had to simmer for an hour or so, and everything was basted in wine and chicken fat. She gathered the ingredients, grabbed an extra bottle of wine to make the older woman happy, and then went, quickly, back to the tenement of the little green door. She knocked this time. The older woman did not open the door, but called out for her to come in. This is going to take some time, the younger woman announced. Then it might work. She set to cooking the meat first, cutting it with onions and garlic and greens. She added a few nuts, too, for a crunch. The older woman was just sitting and watching her cook. The room was silent, but for the stirring and the chopping in the oven. The younger woman, amid cutting a piece of meat, looked up at the older woman and poured them both a glass of wine. She put the wine in front of the older woman and said, If you like, and then returned to cooking. The older woman picked up the glass, took an indulgent sniff, and then a taste, and swirled and drank that wine. He didn't deserve that. The young woman looked up, stared at the older woman, and winced. Aren't you supposed to be judgment-free? I am. This isn't about what I think. This is about how you feel. She sipped the wine again, and an unbidden thought washed over the young woman like a wave of shame. You did it on purpose to see if you could hurt him. She flinched and kept cooking, the woman drinking the wine slowly. Each sip brought her a fresh truth, and by the end of her preparations, she was boiling the noodles. She was crying quietly to herself. She made a plate and set it before the older woman, who remained unflinching. She swirled noodles and meat onto her fork and, staring directly at the young woman who was sitting across from her, took a big bite. You made the recording to hurt him. You used another person to hurt someone who trusted you. You sent him the video and you made it public. You flew to another man and you seduced him. You know that video is going to make it impossible for him to trust another woman. Why did you go back to him and kiss him before you sent out the video? Cruelty made you happy. You wanted to see how much you could hurt him. 
The young woman was sobbing now openly, and she looked to the older woman finishing her plate. Licking up the last bits of sauce and food, she drained the wine in its glass. It's done, she said, bits of sauce around her mouth, still licking and chewing. The young woman tried to control her sobbing, realizing that her stomach hadn't been cramping anymore. She paused, and the older woman said, It's done. Think about it. Does it give you pain now? The young woman turned her thoughts to pressing send all, to pressing record, to seducing the other man, the boyfriend's friend, and then to kissing him one last time. There was sadness, but no pain. She breathed in and out deeply. Thank you, she whispered, but the older woman said nothing back. You can go out now. Go home. Do better. The older woman stood up, took the lamp off the table, and walked into the other room, never even looking back. The young woman rose from her chair and opened the door, walked away, and never looked back. What a cunt. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, ah, that's a... You don't deserve to feel better. (laughs) Hey, this story's about the sin eater, not the sinner. (laughs) I'm very amused by the sin eater. And also, at the very beginning, when she talks about putting the bundle, the wrapped bundle down, I always forget that it's money. Mm. So I picture the bundle being like loaf of bread style. Oh, I thought a child. Oh, that's so much better. No, no, but (laughs) honestly, when you you first started talking, I also was like... (laughs) Are you the with a baby? Here's the squirming bundle. Here's my firstborn. Yeah. Love this problem so. No, second or thirdborn. Second or thirdborn. No. Hey, but, never the third. <laughs> never the third. Uh, but I, so then when she takes it and puts it in her apron, I'm like, that is a huge bundle of money. Oh my God. That's like all of your savings ever. Like, this smells right. Put it in the pocket. And then I'm like, it's probably much smaller than you're imagining. You are ridiculous. I should probably... Like, work on that wording, then? I mean, it's yes. just abundant. I, but, yeah. Actually, no, I have to work on a lot of things in this story. Um, so, when I originally wrote this story, it was uh, very different. And then I edited it, sort of. Oh, that's another one. You already said edited. Edited it. You, you did. You said that earlier. I value you. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it still haunts me. Not that you value me, but I uh, edited it. <laughs> I just really love alliteration today. Um, anyway, so yeah, uh, I need to work on it because it was supposed to be, there was a lot more and I like, I talked about what she did more, uh, the center, not the sin eater because mm. that was graphic, but um, it was supposed to be like everybody had wings and they were like kind of fairies and it was like, oh, hey, because originally, this is how fucked up my brain is, I wrote the story thinking like, okay, but what if ants have sin eaters? Ants? Uh, yeah. Bugs? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like flying ants? Okay. And then they all had wings, and I was like, sure, they've got fashion and stuff. So, no, but for, but they they do. And they're uh-huh. like spiders who make themselves water drop hats yeah, I mean, I've seen and them. things like that. So, okay. This so, was originally, these were. Well, it was just like personified flying ants of- had a sin eaters, like humans have sin eaters. And then it turned into a story about, like, not fairies per se, but like, what if people who had wings and could fly around like did this sort of thing and then i got some of the references in there because i didn't edit my shit properly (laughs) but not all the other references but not the other references that contextualized it and made sense so i gotta go revisit that story i do remember being surprised that she had wings Uh and then wondering but i was like okay but then wondering if a sin eater had wings Oh, I always pictured her not having wings. Funny you should ask. She does, but she's got different wings. Mm. She's got the lacy, like, buggy, like, ant wings that are all, like, clear and fun. 
And then the sin eater has moth wings. Ooh. I feel like I remember when we first discussed this, because it, the, the whole wings and blue hair thing just seemed really out of the blue. Uh-huh. I was like, yeah, because I didn't contextualize it. Yeah, it was like, you no. mention it once, and then it, there's, like, nothing else, and everything else is just, like... Bad <laughs> Anyway, but I, I seem to remember you talking about how it was also supposed to kind of be, like, going outside of your magic to another kind of magic. Exactly. Oh, Which is why right. they have different wings. Which I think yeah. would be, yeah. Which was really a really interesting how. idea. So I do want you to go back and write it properly. <laughs> or or go back and not have edited it down. Because yeah. when I did write it the first time, I thought it was too far out. And then I was like, oh, scale it down. And then I did a shit job of I it. I forgot about that. Yeah, because the idea of, like, your family and friends are this kind of magic and then being like, this isn't working for me and I can't go to anyone we know. i got to go outside of that. Oh, yeah. Because go in the very beginning, it's, it's like it's, she talks about how, you know, it would be shame. frowned upon if yeah. they knew. And so yeah. it's going outside of... I like, I like the idea that of, of, like, a magical world where going outside of your magic is, is kind of taboo. Mm-hmm. And then what kind of magic is it okay to go to a Sin Eater for? Yeah, and they're like, like, are there like allied magics that work together? Like harmonious magic branches? Is there yeah. magic that doesn't work on you? Like, I need you to write the story, Brenna. Yeah, I'm intrigued. I'll try. <laughs> I was, okay, I also, in preparation for this episode, was trying to go back and write this story. <laughs> and I got the weeks wrong. I thought I had two more weeks to finish the editing. Whoops. And- I was wrong. So. That's okay. Because when we usually wrote wrote these to share them, we didn't have time to edit. Mm-mm. It was, you write it, you share it. Is it garbage? Too bad. I did it after <laughs> the fact. Yeah. It's gonna, the thought that counts. We're going to go back and revise them. We'll make a yeah. whole book of it. It'll be yeah. fun. Yeah. Will we make two books out there? That depends. That depends. To be determined. TBD. It's to be determined. Oh, thanks. I didn't. I didn't know. I was wondering, like tuberculosis beats death. <laughs> Rock beats scissors. Tuberculosis beats death. Paper beats tuberculosis. It was TPD. I know. I, I know. That means to be determined. Oh my god. <laughs> oh. Okay. So my turn. Yep. Save us. Save us. Um, Save us. So I, I'm gonna sip. <laughs> This is the daintiest of sips I've ever seen. <laughs> Chocolate chunk. <laughs> More chocolate. <coughs> you okay? <laughs> Should I open the window? TBD. TBD. <laughs> no, tuberculosis beats death. <laughs> All right. Okay. Okay, so it's my turn now. And who are you? I'm Amy. What and was your prompt? I was waiting for you to say that. <laughs> <clears throat> Apparently we do this every day. We do, in fact, do this every time. Uh, My prompt was also to do something illegal or awkward. We've actually done it a couple times. To relieve a pain. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So. Tell us your story. Fine. We shall sit at your feet. I heard we shall sift your feet. (laughs) (laughs) Just put it in this pan. Sift, sift, sift. (laughs) Oh, no. What? I'm going to burp. I can feel it. It's okay. My throat just did a weird gurgle. <laughs> I don't know when it's going to happen, though. <laughs> it's fine. It's time to wake up now. 
Bernard tries to open his eyes, but they're so dry, his lids seem to be sticking. He takes a moment to move them around, but even then, it's like rubbing two sheets of saran wrap together. With a groan, he reaches up a hand to rub at them. Blearily, they open. The light is dim, pre-dawn making almost no impact through his lowered shades. He can make out the outlines of his room, and not much else. Still, it hurts. His entire head hurts, now that he thinks about it. What the fuck? He rasps, closing his eyes again. It is way too early for him to be getting up for work. His alarm won't go off for another couple of hours. Get up, Bernard. He opens his eyes again. At least it's easier this time, but his heart is racing as he looks around his room again. No one is there with him, unless they're hiding in his tiny closet or crammed with the boxes under his bed. He instinctively pulls his legs away from the edge of the mattress, back under the covers. You need to get dressed, or you're going to be late. Okay, what the fuck? Bernard says, scrambling out of bed. He checks in the closet, which is empty of everything except the handful of items on hangers and the large pile of dirty clothes on the floor. He looks under the bed, too, despite knowing it would take a contortionist to be able to find some space under there. Nothing. Idiot. It's at this point that he realizes what he's hearing is in his head. Not an earpiece or headphones, but resonating from inside of his brain. He reaches up to touch his ears, and that's when he feels it. There's a small implant behind his right ear, like a small plastic box nestled against his skull. He pulls at it and grunts in pain. It's implanted fully, and the skin around it is tender still. His head throbs. What the actual fuck, he says, throwing open his door and racing to the bathroom. The bright bathroom light burns his eyes, but he barely notices as he's twisting his head to get a look at the thing that is surgically attached to his head. What the fucking fuck is this shit? At least you're awake now. Good. You need to get dressed, Bernard. What the fuck is going on? He pants out, fully panicked now. What is this shit in my head? It's so I can talk to you, and you'll always hear me. What? When? No need to get into specifics. The important thing is we have a constant line of communication. I can hear you, and you will always hear me. Now get dressed, you have to be out the door. Fuck you. Suddenly, an indescribable sound fills his head. The best he can equate it to was 10,000 nails on chalkboards mixed with a train carrying active jackhammers as it makes the rounds of the inside of his skull. It's excruciating, and when it stops, Bernard realizes he is lying on the floor, clutching his head and screaming. He's also peed himself, boxers sticking wetly to his groin and thighs. For brevity's sake, that was a warning as to what will happen if you refuse my instructions. I can make it worse if you're still thinking of refusing. I'm good, he says hoarsely. Excellent. Now get dressed. He staggers to his feet, quickly heading back to his room. He strips off the soiled boxers, doesn't bother to put on a fresh pair before grabbing the jeans he'd left on the floor the night before. He throws on a hoodie and doesn't bother with socks before grabbing his shoes and jamming them onto his feet. Slipping his wallet, keys, and phone into his pockets, he opens his apartment door and goes into the hallway. Now what? he asks as he locks the door. You have five minutes to get to the bus stop on 4th and Jersey. You'll be getting on the 205, heading to Bleecker. 4th and Jersey is a solid half mile away. 
With a groan, Bernard darts down the stairs, breaking into an easy run as he exits the building. He can hear his blood pounding in his ears, and it's making his head throb even more than before. He reaches a hand up to touch the implant, half expecting it to be bloody, but his hand is clean when it comes away. Bernard makes it to the bus stop with time to spare, barely. He can see the bus two blocks away, stuck at a red light. He puts his hands on his hips, puffing as he paces a bit. He's sweaty now, and he swears he can feel the urine that's dried on his skin. He hopes he doesn't smell too bad, but it's the least of his worries right now. The bus pulls up, and he quickly gets on, flashing his transit pass at the driver. It's a good thing he has one, he thinks, since there's exactly zero cash in his wallet at the moment. It's early enough that there's not that many people on the bus. He heads to the back and slides into a seat. What now, he mutters, just barely loud enough to be heard if someone was standing next to him. Stand by for further instructions. The minutes crawl as the bus trundles its way down the streets. He's not normally the type to jiggle his legs, but he can't seem to keep them still. His hands are twisting in the pocket of his hoodie, wringing the fabric. He's pretty sure the other passengers think he's on drugs, but there's little capacity to care at the moment. Each time they come to a stop, he tenses as if to leap up from his seat and race to the door. It's a full 45 minutes before the voice reappears. Two stops from now, you'll be getting off. Alan in 112th. Fucking finally, he mutters, standing and moving towards the door. As soon as he can, he pulls the cord for the stop. He's squeezing through the door before it's even fully open. Walk down Alan for four blocks in the direction of the right aid. He looks around quickly to orient himself, then starts walking briskly down the sidewalk. He trips over a crack in the asphalt, but catches himself before he can hit the ground. He counts the blocks as he goes, a constant internal monologue. Three more. Two more. Almost one. Half a block to go. I'm here, he says, once he reaches the intersection. There's not much there. Three-story apartment building where he's standing. A gas station across the street. There's a sad, small park on the other side. Empty, except for a woman tossing a ball for her dog. You're looking for a boy, 18 years old. He'll be walking by shortly, likely dressed in dark clothes with a black backpack. Stop him. Stop him? Stop him. Take him down. I don't particularly care how you do it. Dude, Bernard said, disbelief in his voice. What the fuck do you want me to do? Tackle him? Like I said, I don't care. You could kill him if you like. What the fuck? Bernard looked around, aghast, but there was nothing to see. Not having anything or anyone to focus his fear and anger against was only making him matter. I'm not fucking killing some goddamn kid. A blast inside his head, and Bernard is screaming again. It lasts barely a second, not even long enough to put him on the ground again, but it hurts. His scream turns into a steady stream of curses when it stops. I need you to listen to me very carefully, Bernard. You will do what I say, because if not, I will render you incapable of anything other than feeling untold agony. You know I can, because I have proven it. You are to stop that boy by killing him if necessary. If you can incapacitate him another way, that is acceptable, but stopping him is the priority. The woman across the street is staring at him as she collects her dog. She starts quickly walking in the other direction. Bernard notices a man cross the street up ahead likely to avoid walking by him. This time, the pain is so fast that he doesn't even manage to make a sound before it's over. Fuck, he says, bringing his hands to his head and holding it as if it will help. Some incentive seems to be required, 
This will continue every 30 seconds until the situation is taken care of. Fuck you, Bernard replies, but gets no response. He continues muttering to himself, mostly just a number of swears in every language he knows. Not many, so there's a lot of repetition. He's looking around, a bit wildly, trying to find the boy. As the minutes tick by, he starts to feel more and more frantic. Not a mean feat, considering how awful the entire scenario is. His head hurts worse than it ever has before in his life. He's not showing, dude, Bernard says, after he's hit with yet another microblast. But at that moment, he sees him. Or at least, he thinks he does. The kid is scrawny and looks like he could only be 14, but it's the only person he's seen that's not an obvious adult, and at this point, he doesn't know what else to do. Wait, I think that might be him. Well then. And at this, the voice shows the first sign of emotion. It's amusement. And if Bernard didn't hate it before, he does now. I believe you know what to do. Bernard watches as the kid walks down the other side of the street, not seeming to notice him. He starts to follow, his limbs jerking unnaturally as he goes. He's in pain, twitchy, and he gets worse as the microblasts keep coming. I don't want to do this, he says as he crosses the street to get closer. There's tears streaming down his face, and he wipes at them with the cuff of his sweater. You have to. The blast is longer again, and he screams as he stumbles to the ground. When it stops, he sees that the kid has stopped to look at him. At first, the boy looks as if he's going to run away, but then he turns and comes closer. You all right? The boy asks. Bernard can see that he's smooth-cheeked, with hair down to his chin swept haphazardly to the side. He looks so young as he kneels down. Bernard catches him on the chin with his right fist. It glances, poorly thrown, but the boy is thrown off balance and ends up on the ground anyway. He tries to scramble away, but Bernard is faster. He crawls on top of the boy and starts raining punches down on him. Fuck you, Bernard sobs over and over again. He doesn't see the blood on his hands when he's pulled off. He doesn't see anything at all through the tears in his eyes. There's a faint laughter ringing through his skull as he's thrown to the ground a knee pressed into his spine, and a fist connecting with his ear. Bernard blacks out. This is WLMF reporting from Heather Hills. 16-year-old Grayson White was assaulted today while on his way to school. His attacker, 25-year-old Bernard Weatherby, apparently suffered a fit while in the neighborhood. Witnesses say that White attempted to assist Weatherby, who proceeded to beat the boy until he was pulled off by an unknown passerby. Medical assistance quickly arrived, and White is in critical condition tonight at Mercy General. Police are looking for the Good Samaritan who assisted, who left before a statement could be given. He's described as a young man, approximately 18 years old, wearing dark clothes with a backpack. Ah, it's such Black Mirror bullshit. I hate and love that story. <laughs> I think he did really good with the descriptions in this one. Yeah. It's uncomfortable. It it's uncomfortable. it's like almost Reagan violent. <laughs> You'll get there someday, kid. <laughs> Thanks. No, we all know you do violence too. Uh, yeah, you do do violence too. The ritual. I know. Um, I know. <laughs> hey, listen to other chapters. She does violence, dudes. Uh, I like. I like the intro. I think it's my favorite part. Just the 
coming to realize that this thing is wrong. Mm. But is it wrong? Is it in its head? We don't have anyone to verify what's happening. Right. And the fact that his hand comes away clean and that it's already healed. See, like, I sounds like, like a psychosis to me. The end of it, which I do like that that's part of the story, mm-hmm. but I like the end of it where it's like, he didn't get the right kid. Yeah. His panic and need to get rid of the pain mm-hmm. doesn't even end up with the right justice. Yeah. Or if there even is a justice. And... You don't know that it was the right or the wrong or the whatever. Like, but yeah. why? Why even stop the kid with the backpack? Like, you don't know any of the details. But it's still unsatisfying, and it's it's great how uncomfortable and unsatisfying it is because it also is a really good story. I would say of the cycle of this prompt chapter, you won the day. Yeah, Star Baker. But remember that means. Going down next episode. Oh man, <laughs> Starbaker is a curse, my friend. Yeah, I do. I do like that it was ambiguous and that it makes you question so many things. Like, if there is an actual implant, who is controlling him? Is it good? Is it bad? Is he well, an expendable pawn? Bad. I don't care if you kill them; that person's Ooh, bad. What if it was a terrorist that he was killing, and they are like, I, I could make this a Marvel Universe level oh. intricate plot. You know? Expand it, then. But, well, you don't you, but you should. No, it was perfect. Never, never, never leave it. But I also remember when we read this in my head, the voice in my head, <laughs> the voice in his head, in my head, was female. Oh. And I remember that that was not the case for either of you. I also kept saying Bernard and not Bernard. I say Bernard, Bernard too. Yeah. So it was weird and fun to have you read it like that because I didn't know that that was that character's name. It's okay. It's not that far off. It's like people calling it's, me Regan. I mean, it's, close it's enough. not, but it's not the same. You're Regan. It's close enough. I'm not Brenda. I'm Brenna. Yeah, but that's adding a letter <laughs> as opposed to... Okay, so then it's like when people call me Colleen instead of Colleen. Colleen is weird. That reminds Colleen me of... Colleen is weird. I know. But people do it all the time. Bernard is fun. Bernard is pedantic. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say that I wrote this right after Florida. Um, um, so I think originally the idea was that the kid was supposed to be a school shooter but I didn't actually want to put that in the story mm-hmm. because it felt a little too much um, and I and I couldn't find a way to put it in there and have it feel natural I guess like it, it was clunky too convenient and or... too convenient and almost tropey and I just I decided to pull back and be like we don't know why it's like they're very well so wait so when you mentioned that you know it could be a terrorist or something it was like well that was actually kind of how i wrote it mm-hmm. yeah but but then to have that be the idea that i wrote it with and then he gets the wrong kid he gets the wrong kid and his name is bernard weatherby weatherby everything about his name sounds like it's made up <laughs> <laughs> but if I'd met a Bernard Weatherby, I would be so excited. <laughs> um, I was actually amused by the name too, Grayson White. Uh huh. Like gray and white. Uh huh. Like, they're getting, they're getting, yeah. Ambiguous, um, but still specific. Yeah. Also, it was a good one. the way you read that, as a friend, have you ever looked into being a dominatrix? 
Because you really seem to like control. <laughs> and you're very good at giving specific instructions. <laughs> you know what to do. <laughs> it's not thing. something that ever crossed my mind, honestly. Oh, yeah, that's fair. Just think of it as a plan B. <laughs> kind of more like plan R. Yeah, that makes sense because you also like <clears throat> have a You have a lot of other plans skills. before that. Yeah, no. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> as we all consider how far away in our plan skill would dominatrix be. How many letters is all the way down to R? I feel like that's a lot of plans. It's a lot of plans. I don't think I have that many plans ever. But also, we're not limited to 26, you guys. Think outside the box. Plan AA, plan BB. Oh, man. AB? That schema? Ooh, that's oh, too I many. think the AB. I like the AB, AC, AD. And then you've got the B, A, and then the B, That's too many plans. You've got... No, but it just expands it. Limiting myself A through D. I've got to make it work in four or I'm done. <laughs> um, anyway, I'm glad you guys liked it. Um, I it's actually one of the ones I like more that I've done. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's yeah. uncomfortable. I, and I like that it's cohesive. It's... Er, Cohesive. I mean, it's cohesive, but that's <laughs> not what I was trying to say. <laughs> but it is that. I like that it has a beginning and an end. You know, it, it is open-ended. We don't know how it starts or where it's going, but or I, it is right. good in and of itself. Yeah. Fully thought out. Interesting. Dramatic. I can only think of two other stories that you've written that I like as much or maybe better. But then I feel like I'd have to hear you read them back to back to back. And it'd be like... Well, you have the power. You can listen to, like all the rest of you, our podcast. I mean, I do. But it's also one of those things where it's like, because, okay, the point of this was we were a writing group and now we're podcasting our writing group, right? Mm -hmm. So at the end of the year, we're going to submit something for publishing. We're at the halfway mark, yeah, y'all. And I'm freaking out because I'm like, oh, shit, which of my stories do I clean up enough that I'm going to send to a publisher? And then I don't know what I'm going to write in the next half of the year. But whatever tickles your fancy. I've been thinking about what you guys have written, and I'm like, what are my favorites? Which one do I want them to send to the publisher? Because you've written some really great stories. Oh, we all and have. that's why we're gonna we're gonna do a discussion. A discussion episode where yeah. we talk, we vote. You we don't have to go with what recap. the others vote for. No. But we all pick like our top three for for each. My like I'll, I'll pick my top three for me, my mm-hmm. top three for Reagan, and my top three for you. And we'll, and we'll discuss. just discuss. Oh, we we're gonna top three our own too. Yeah. I thought we were just top three other people's. No, mm-hmm. we have to do our own as well because yeah. And obviously you get final say because yeah. you're the one who has to write it. Autonomous. <laughs> <laughs> but it I think it's it, it will be good to have a an idea of what everybody yeah else thinks and yeah what, your story calls from this them. chapter I like because blah 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 and then I'm actually going to start looking back through and picking favorites now because we have enough that I should probably do that it's been super fun <clears throat> I find that any time that I have insomnia I'll just listen to the CWC nice. and have a super fun time with it sort I'm, of I'm, I'm like trying said, to fall asleep I don't want to hear my own voice I don't listen to mine actually I listen to your guys's. Actually, to be perfectly honest, when I listen to the episodes, I skip the stories because <laughs> I've already heard them so many times. That's fair. And That's I just fair. listen. I I just listen for the uh, the banter. Mm-hmm. I I also listen for the banter and the blue push play at the start voice. and then listen straight through. Oh, look at that! We're all so different. Very straight up. I skip. I would own. probably I would probably do that if I didn't edit them. You edit, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it makes you, you listen to them at all after that. Yeah. <laughs> 
so sorry. All right. Yeah. Probably cut out. Oh, hey. Okay. Um, those were, are we? Yeah. yeah you okay. Did. You addressed hey. it though. Oh, hey. No, I just remembered that this is oh. the next step in the format. <laughs> um, hi. No. You were no. so <laughs> Oh, for my people. Hello. Oh, my God. So, so Since these were my prompts, that Mm -hmm. means that the next set is mine, Reagan. Hey. Oh, I like this group. Okay. You made this. (laughs) I know, but I forgot that these were next. These are fun. All right. The next set of prompts, should you choose to accept this mission, a crayon that is magical, (laughs) a training exercise, nobody likes those, a new kind of storm. Oh. Yeah, that's right. And I don't mean the X-Men kind, but, you know, you can take that prompt however you want. You did not specify. I did not specify. I will take the prompts however I want to take them. Yeah, as you do. As I do. (laughs) So, thank you for joining us. Um, Please connect with us on your social media platform of choice. We're on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Like, subscribe, leave a rating, help other people find us. And you can... Get, well, yeah, you can link to all of them through yeah. our website, continentalwritingclub.com. Mm-hmm. Truth, truth, truth. Uh, and if you have, like, a pie that you want to make or, like, a, a, a piece of an art um, that has anything to do with our stories. Art or pie? Well, are you just soliciting for food? A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. No, but seriously, if you have anything that you are inspired by... Um, because of listening to these podcasts or this podcast, please just send us a photo or the actual pie, whatever you want. And, uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll give you some credit. We'll give you the tangential continental writing club, um, cred, this, this, the mad street cred you all have been waiting for. Yeah. Maybe shout a, outs. Maybe a patch. Out. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. We have nothing else to offer you. Nothing at all. Go away. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Bye, guys. Bye. Oh, right on. Stop shouting at each other. <laughs> Let's take it back. It's too late. Too We're already way late. too late. She was literally licking the bottom of your shoe. Yeah. It's really hard to win an argument when you throw your glasses at someone's face. You know... The the plane. It's the it's, plane. The plane. It's not helping. Washed. I can speak. Washed. Washed. <laughs> Why are these sentences so long? Because <laughs> you wrote them. <laughs> she felt a blip. <laughs>